At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This week on The Scarecast. I was in the middle of maneuvering the shopping bags on my arm to find my keys when a 50-ish-year-old crusty-looking guy starts walking up from somewhere in the parking lot. No one is getting in this car. Do you understand? But what if they... No! There's no one there, and if they were, they can walk to the intersection. Sparky smells kind of gross. Can you give her a bath? So, this happened about five years ago while I was nine months pregnant. I was Christmas shopping at the mall with my then seven and 15 year old daughters one Saturday night in a very safe city with very low crime rate. There was an Applebee's connected to the mall and we ended up shopping pretty late and the mall stores were starting to close. So, I took my kids to the connected Applebee's for a late dinner. We finish up eating at about 10 p.m. and leave out the Applebee's entrance into the practically deserted parking lot with shopping bags in tow. As we got to the car, I was in the middle of maneuvering the shopping bags on my arm to find my keys when a 50-ish year old crusty looking guy starts walking up from somewhere in the parking lot with shaggy grayish white hair and a faded flannel shirt and old jeans. I noticed him briskly approaching when he was about 40 feet away, and he said, This is a stick-up. Give me all your money. My blood ran cold, and I stared at him owlishly and shakingly said, What? He then said he was just kidding and came up and stood right next to my daughters, who were standing on the other side of the car waiting for me to unlock the car to let them in. He then starts making small talk with me and my girls. He's asking things like if they were being good girls for Santa, how old they were, if we got all of our Christmas shopping done, what kinds of things did we get? He didn't seem drunk high, slow, or mentally challenged at all. He was very coherent and seemed of sound mind. Mind you, I was a heavily pregnant woman, alone with my two daughters in a mostly deserted parking lot at 10 o'clock at night, who was being approached by a stranger 
who came and stood right next to my kids on the other side of the car, just shooting the breeze, talking to me and my kids with his hands in his pockets and occasionally looking over his shoulder. I didn't want to aggravate him, so I was politely conversing with him and trying to look calm and nonchalant while trying to disguise my frantic hands digging inside my giant purse for my car keys. This exchange went on for a couple of minutes while he periodically kept looking over his shoulder. I was silently panicking and trying to politely keep the situation from escalating by calmly and nonchalantly talking to him while also trying in vain to find my damned car keys to get us out of there. They were in there hiding good. I felt that at any moment, he was going to pull a knife or gun or rob me and my kids were right next to him, away from their mother on the other side of the car and I couldn't find my damn car keys to get my kids into the safety of the car. He kept trying to engage them in conversation and I could see that my oldest daughter was a little weirded out and she kept glancing at me to gauge my reaction to this situation. And being that he was only talking and acting friendly, and I was doing my best to stay calm, they were oblivious to the alarming situation we all were in. And being nine months pregnant and that, I was no match for this full-grown man, especially if he was hiding a weapon on him. While still desperately digging for my keys, I tried to politely give him hints that the conversation was over by saying things like, it was nice meeting you, but I gotta get these kids to bed, and it was nice meeting you, and telling my daughters to say that it was nice meeting him too. My polite attempts to get this guy to leave wasn't working because he kept sidestepping my attempts and asking them what their favorite school subjects are and how nice young ladies they were all while I was struggling with the shopping bags and digging in my giant cluttered purse for my car keys. My outgoing seven-year-old was completely oblivious to how not okay this situation was because he was being friendly and because of the whole I'm with mommy so I'm safe child mentality. So, she started talking about what she picked out for daddy for Christmas and started enthusiastically talking about kid stuff and asking him if he knew what Minecraft was, which kept this creep from leaving us alone by keeping him engaged in conversation. They didn't realize that I was becoming desperate to get them the hell out of there. Then, I suddenly felt this sinking feeling of dread when I realized that I may have lost my keys in the mall and that we were stuck outside with this strange man who kept looking over his shoulders and was showing no signs of walking away. And all of this time, I'm thinking that he's waiting for the perfect moment to pounce. All he had to do was grab one of my girls and threaten their life, knowing it would make me do whatever he wanted as long as he wouldn't hurt them. I started to feel my adrenaline start to spike, and my heart and stomach started doing flip-flops, and I felt like at any moment, shit was going to go down, as the gravity of realizing that there were no other people or witnesses around, and that we were totally alone with him, 
and at that moment, the odds were stacked against us and that he has his chance. Then, he all of a sudden was like, Okay, it was nice talking to you. See you later. And walked off in the same direction as to which he came. It wasn't until then I found my car keys and unlocked the car and told my kids to get in fast and I got in too and locked the doors and started the car and drove the hell out of there. My 15-year-old lightheartedly and jokingly said, Okay, that was weird, and laughed. I was overwhelmed with relief, and then I was confused over what had just happened. I thought to myself, Why the hell would a guy of seemingly sound mind think it would be totally acceptable to go out of his way just to approach a woman and her kids in a deserted parking lot at night just to chit chat. But being that nothing bad happened, I brushed it off and joked about it too. When we got home, my husband greeted us and asked us how shopping went, and I said it went well, and my 15 year old told him what happened in the parking lot and how weird it was and was kinda joking about it. I started joking too, saying how I was mentally having a panic attack while trying to look calm, and I started making fun of myself by telling my husband how I was attempting to inconspicuously rummage through my purse to find my car keys. At that point, my husband went completely white, and I acknowledged his horrified look of alarm and I assured him that the guy was just talking and eventually left on his own. Now, my father-in-law is a retired sheriff deputy and my husband went through police academy training after graduating high school. And being that the knowledge he gained from that, plus growing up with a cop for a dad, I found out why my husband looked absolutely horrified when I told him the details. What my husband told me completely rattled me to the bone. My husband told me that he was 100% sure that the reason why that guy was hanging around us and chit-chatting was because he was waiting for me to unlock my car. And the reason why he was standing next to our kids was because once I unlocked the car and the kids started to get inside, He was most likely going to force himself into the car with the kids and hold a knife or gun to them to gain leverage on me, to force me to cooperate knowing I wouldn't abandon my kids, which would force me to get into the car with them and do whatever he wanted me to do, which most likely would be to drive to a remote location to do God knows what. And being that he wasn't wearing a mask suggests that his intentions were to also leave no witnesses to identify him. I then remembered that he was positioned by the backseat passenger door where my seven-year-old was standing by waiting to get in. My husband then told me that the most likely reason why the guy ended up leaving was because it took so long for me to find my keys and the longer it took, the more anxious and spooked it made him. And that whole time, 
I was desperate to find my car keys, which through some sort of divine intervention, stayed hidden in my purse, thus saving us from potentially being abducted. This was about three years ago on a dark stretch of road, near a main intersection in a major Bay Area city. I worked at a big name, healthy grocery store from 2014 to 2017. I was lucky to meet and work with amazing co-workers, some of whom have become my best and closest friends. One of my best friends, at the time and to this day, Cav, is one of the most nicest, caring people I've ever met. He is incredibly generous, genuine, and warm and welcoming to everyone, sometimes to a fault. At the time of this story, I'm a woman in my early 20s, and Cav is a guy in his late 20s. Cav and I had a weekly ritual of driving around the city after work and talking, sometimes about our problems, sometimes about what was going well. But it was therapeutic and always something to look forward to. This particular night, we invited our buddy Ben to join us. His department always got out about 30 to 45 minutes after the rest of the store. So Cav and I decided we would do a short drive around the area to pass time until our buddy Ben was off. So, we did our drive and are headed back to the store to pick up Ben. In order to get back to the store, we need to make a U-turn at a four-way intersection. To get to that intersection, we had to go down a dark but short stretch of road where there are no streetlights for some reason. The intersection is well lit, always busy, and has shopping center plazas on each side. From the dark stretch of road, it is exactly 302 feet, according to Google Maps, to the main, well-lit and ever-busy intersection. As we're driving down the dark section, Cav suddenly interrupts what I was saying and says, Oh my god, did you see that person waving? He slows down the car as I look back. No. What are you talking about? You didn't see them? There was someone in a black hoodie waving us down. I'm looking back. I have poor eyesight. It's dark. No, I I don't see anyone. There's no one there. As I'm saying this, Cav is pulling into an empty parking lot parallel to the dark stretch of road. He reaches to the back seat and is moving jackets and other stuff off from the seat, obviously making room for this person. No, Cav, I said. No one is getting in this car. Do you understand? But what if they... No! There's no one there, and if they were, they can walk to the intersection. No! He agrees, but insists as we continue to circle around and check. I reluctantly agree but realize I have no choice anyway. We circle back, and sure enough, there is a girl my age in her early 20s standing alone wearing all black. She has a hoodie on. She looks disheveled 
and is sort of crying. Maybe. Cav rolls down the passenger window, my window, down about halfway, to which I roll it back up another quarter of the way, and asks her if she's okay. She seems off, and I immediately have awful vibes from her. Four guys stole my purse, she says with her hands over her face. They had my wallet. I literally lost everything, and I don't have a phone. The weirdest thing about this is that she wasn't crying. She was stretching her words out and whining, but she wasn't crying. I said, okay, we'll call the police for you. Why don't you walk up to the plaza up ahead and we'll wait with you for the police? No, she said adamantly. It won't help. I already called the police an hour ago. This is when I started to freak out. She just said that she didn't have a phone. She's been standing in the dark for an hour? I thought you don't have a phone, I said. I I do, it's dead. All of this is happening rapid fire. And before I can really mentally get into what is going on, Calf tells her to get into the car so we can help her. I say... Walk up to the plaza and we'll help you. Cav unlocks the doors and says, No, don't worry, we'll drive you there. The girl has her hands in her front pocket of her hoodie and gets into the car. I'm pissed, fuming. The girl is acting super weird, but I remember at this point that I have my box cutter on me. I reach down into my backpack and I am rummaging through my crap to find it. Cav is talking to her, but everything she says is contradictory. She says that she isn't from this area, has no idea where she is, yet she tells us she grew up and lived about six blocks away. As we're driving, she says she wants to go to a particular bar that she could really use a drink. I thought you don't have your wallet or ID, I ask. I keep looking for my box cutter, while also looking back at her. She has a waxy complexion, and looks into my eyes as if she's looking right through me. It gives me the creeps. Cav is incredibly kind to her, and keeps saying positive things, trying to get to the bottom of what's going on. While this is happening, I find my box cutter, open it all the way, and hold it in my lap. I turn back and keep my eyes on her. She tells us she has a boyfriend nearby and asks us if we could take her there. She and Calf continue to talk and she says that she was kicked out of her parents' house. Her hands still remain in her pocket and mine remains holding the box cutter. Because of this whole ordeal, We've totally forgotten about Ben. Still watching her, I pull my phone out and call him. I'm explaining to Ben what's happening, and in a matter of seconds, she went from asking us for money and alcohol and saying weird stuff to just wanting to get out of the car. We did not drop her off at her boyfriend's house, but a few streets away, apparently in a random neighborhood. We drop her off 
and there is a silence for a few seconds in the car. <laughs> oh my god, Calf says laughing. She, <laughs> she could have robbed us or killed us. <laughs> yeah, idiot. I am 100% certain that at the very least, she was planning to rob us. Looking back, there is so much I would have done differently, like calling the cops right away. We were lucky nothing happened, but I'm positive that there was evil in that car that night. Girl on the side of the road, let's not meet again. The nearest Build-A-Bear is a two-hour drive from my house. Said two-hour drive would be for the four-year-old who started screaming when I told her she couldn't get the cute sparkle bunny she saw on the ad. This is why I like Netflix better than cable TV. No ads that result in extremely uncalled-for tantrums. So no, no way in hell would I be going to Build-A-Bear two hours away with a screaming toddler to blow some $30-$40 on a plush she'd be bored of in approximately three weeks. But it was almost her birthday, and I've been too busy with work and Jacqueline to sit down and browse Amazon, much less go to an actual store to find her a gift. I want the cute sparkle bunny, mama. I need it, Jacqueline whimpered as I laid her to bed that night. She was no longer screaming and crying, but she would not shut up about the bunny. I know, baby girl, I told her yet again. I'll tell you what, we can go shopping on Friday, all right? See if you can find something even more sparkly, yeah? Jax wasn't convinced. She mumbled something. I kissed her forehead and said goodnight. Maybe in the morning she'd forget about it, I thought. I prayed. I sat down with my laptop, catching up on any emails I may have missed from work. There was an eBay email, which I always deleted, but I had an idea. Maybe I can find her a coveted Build-A-Bear bunny there. It would certainly be cheaper, and hopefully if I found one, it wouldn't be too used. I tried my luck. About the fifth page in, I found one, brand new, and only $20 buy it now even. Perfect. I wasted no time in ordering it. Half of me wanted to tell Jax immediately, but the logical half screamed that she's sleeping and needs to learn to take no for an answer. The package arrived the day before her birthday. I pulled the bunny out of the box and inspected it. It felt a bit lumpy, maybe, but what do I know? I never had a -a Build-A-Bear. I contemplated wrapping it, or just giving it to her right then and there. I opted for the latter. She'd finally start behaving, so I wanted to reward the good behavior. Jax? I said as I approached her room. Yeah, Mama? I want you to know I'm very proud of you. I know you were upset about not getting the bunny, but you started handling it like such a big girl. Jacqueline beamed. I stopped crying. I love my bear too, she said. 
holding out one of her stuffed animals she at one point had lost interest in pretty quickly. He loves you too, baby girl. And so do I. Happy birthday! I held the bunny out for her. Jack screeched and grabbed it and squeezed me. Thank you, thank you, thank you! She's so cute! I love her! Thank you, mama! She hugged the bunny, a slight wince as she did so. What's that? She asked, poking the bunny's back. I took the bunny back momentarily and prodded it. Uh, I don't know, I said. Kind of strange. She shrugged and grabbed it back, thanking me again. I didn't think anything of it, nor did Jax, until a couple of nights later after her birthday. Mama? She asked as I was leaving her room. Sparky smells kind of gross. Can you give her a bath? Yeah, sure, I responded. Maybe it wasn't so brand new after all. I can tomorrow if you want. Tonight? Can you do it tonight? Bear will stay with me. Oh, all right, if you want. I was a bit taken aback then. Maybe it came from a smoker's home. Jax and I are both sensitive to cigarette smoke. I took the bunny and said goodnight again. I noticed a gross smell immediately, bringing the toy close to my nose to inspect further. I almost dropped it as I gagged. What the hell? I checked the tag for laundry instructions. Surface wash only, of course. I scrubbed the hell out of that thing, and it still smelled rotten. That minute, of all times, was I reminded of the odd lumps. I felt around again. There was no way in hell this was just normal stuffing. I grabbed a pair of scissors and snipped a few stitches, the stench hitting me like a train. I fought the urge to gag as I removed enough stitches to peer into it. I stumbled back, dropping the bunny to the ground as multiple small bones clattered out. A small hand peeked out of the opening, gray matter and blood pulling out like sludge, staining the bunny's white fur. I covered the mess with a towel and ran to get Jackson take her to the neighbor's house before I called the police. I don't want to know the specifics. I don't know what sick person did this. I don't want to know who the child was. I just know the eBay account I ordered from was deleted and they found the monster. The less I knew, the less Jax could find out. That was that, I thought. I had the night and most of the next day to come to terms with it, to cry, and then to compose myself. Like I said, my girl doesn't need to know any of this. I need to stay strong for Jax. Mama, look! Jacqueline exclaimed the next afternoon when I picked her up. My stomach dropped. Jax? Baby? Where did you get that? My new friend. I met her this morning. She said thank you for cleaning Sparky. Jax almost threw it into my arms before she skipped towards our house. 
I looked down at the bunny. But the police had it. There's no way this was the same one. No matter what, here was her bunny, clean and sparkly as ever, a fresh rose scent in its fur. I felt a hand in my arm. Jax, I thought you... A child, barely older than Jacqueline, stared up at me with a soft smile. I felt a chill run down my spine, but I reached down to touch her hair. It was velvety and cold and dewy. I glanced at my house at the sound of Jacqueline's voice, beckoning me back inside. I turned back, and the girl was gone. You're welcome, sweetheart. 